Women of Science and Music, 30 Celebrations, Episode 19, Isabella and the Emperor. There's many alas of the scientists Isabella and the Emperor. It sounds like a fairy tale. And in some ways it is. The story of a poor girl from the north of Scotland who becomes a central figure in the celebrations for an emperor's 60th birthday. But there's no magic involved. Just sheer hard work and a lot of kindness and help from the society in which she found herself, which she in turn passed on to others in generous quantities. I am Francis. Suzanne Lynch, the Artistic Director of Electric Voice Theatre, and you're most welcome to the 19th episode of our podcast series, Women of Science and Music, 30 Celebrations. I'm recording this on May the 18th, 2021, exactly 60 years after the 60th birthday of marine biologist Dr Isabella Gordon, and 60 years since she returned from Japan, and the incredible carcinological celebrations of the 60th birthday of fellow marine biologist Emperor Hirohito. Here's science historian Catherine Booth to tell us more. Isabella Gordon was born in Keith, Banffshire, Scotland on the 18th of May 1901 and she died on the 11th of May 1988. Her father was a farm worker and the family would have had very little money to spare. Various grants and fellowships over a number of years made it possible to further her education. First to stay on at school, followed by a degree at Aberdeen University. Then she managed to go to Imperial College London where she completed her PhD in 1926. She specialised in echinoderms, spiny marine creatures like starfish and sea urchins. Next, a Commonwealth Fund Fellowship allowed her to travel abroad, principally to visit marine laboratories in the United States. In 1928, Aberdeen University awarded her a DSC. Back in the UK, she was appointed to the staff of the British Museum of Natural History, now the Natural History Museum. My name is Miranda Lowe and I work at the Natural History Museum in South Kensington in London. She was the first woman to be appointed to a full-time permanent scientific post there. And I'm a principal curator and museum scientist looking after the historical marine invertebrate oceanic collections. Her job was as a specialist in crustacea, the study of creatures like crabs, lobsters, shrimps and also woodlice. Isabella made an interesting discovery in her research of looking at the gonads, so that's the sexual organs of crustacea, to identify the species. What we're celebrating today was a highlight of her working life, which came almost exactly 60 years ago, in 1961. She was sent a special invitation to Japan to attend the 60th birthday celebrations of Emperor Hirohito, himself a keen marine biologist. She was held in very high esteem. Isabella's colleagues tended to call her the grand old lady of carcinology. Grand, 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 grand old lady of carcinology. The study of crustaceans, crabs, shrimps, lobsters and even woodlice. A born naturalist who had to be emperor. Japan, and together they swam in a sea of crustacean zoology. Isabella would have been invited by 
Dr. Sakai, who was the founder of the Carcinological Society of Japan. And interestingly, he also worked on Japanese decapods, either the crabs or the lobsters, that were part of the collection at the British Museum. The British Museum sent a whole lot of specimens before her arrival, and they were put on display in a Japanese department store, where apparently huge numbers of people went to see it. Isabella Gordon landed in Tokyo on the 3rd of April, 1961. On April the 5th, she visited the Imperial Palace and she inspected the Royal Museum with its collections of fishes, mollusks and calenterata. Emperor Hirohito had built up this museum himself. She then had an informal audience for two hours with the Emperor. They must have had lots to talk about. Coincidentally, Isabella Gordon's own 60th birthday was in May that year, soon after Hirohito's. The next day, she had been invited to speak to the public at the Yomiuri Hall about the natural history collections in the British Museum Crustacea Department. And apparently there was a huge audience. It must have been quite unusual for a Western person to come to talk to them. The next day, she visited the Odawara Carcinological Museum, and there was also the inaugural meeting of the Carcinological Society of Japan, which is still around today. Their website still mentions her name. Isabella Gordon was only one of three honorary founder members and the only non-Japanese. She met many fellow Japanese carcinologists there, whom she kept up with over the years following, reading and reviewing their publications. Everywhere she went, she was treated as an honoured guest, given wonderful hospitality, gifts, souvenirs. She had an amazing time. She also got front-page news coverage and daily appearances on television. Every fisherman in East Japan knew that a lady doctor had come to visit their emperor. As a gift before Isabella left Japan, she was given the most up-to-date camera. I've been told by some colleagues, possibly being told the story by Isabella herself, that the camera was confiscated when she came back to the UK because they were quite suspicious of this new camera that perhaps has not been widely seen in the UK. It was very unusual for that time for a British person to be visiting Japan. It was only in 1952 that the Allied occupation of Japan ended. It's quite nice uh, being passed down the line, that story of a succession of carcinologists working on the collections at the Natural History Museum. Ten years later, when Hirohito actually visited London, Isabella was invited to meet him at the Linnaean Society. She spent a bit of time with him. Was it the Linnaean Society invite? There was a flower. So this member of staff told me that um, when he came to visit, they planted them at the museum just for the visit, unplanted them, and I think they were planted at the Linnaean Society. And they spent so much painting the labs in a particular colour and then painting them back again just for the visit. And she wrote about his visit a document that we haven't actually been able to find. I, like Isabella, actually have to meet and show around VIPs to our collections. David Attenborough. I don't think you can get any better than that. I um, <laughs> love showing them off to people and giving them in-depth knowledge of what's within the collections and how important historical collections are 
how the research and the work can apply to what's currently going on in the kind of animals and the environments that animals are living in within the ocean today. Underwater. Like Isabella, I have a lot of research connections to Japan. A couple of years ago, there was a visit from a decapod research scientist from a Japanese university. His name was Junji. He was looking at the type material of crustacean specimens collected off the coast of Japan during the Challenger expedition. HMS Challenger was a research vessel that when exploring the world's ocean, that collection is really important because the expedition itself collected over four and a half thousand new species to science at that time. Junji was looking at some of the name-bearing specimens, so the very first of any species of any kind in the world, and he was looking at, in some parts, to re-describe some of those specimens, renaming some of them, because he was looking at some extra characteristics on that animal group that might not have been observed in 1872, 1873, when those animals were first collected. He came across a number of specimens that Isabella had actually identified and a lot of the labels had her handwriting on, which was really amazing to see. I also spotted a few additional specimens that she had worked on. There's still so much to find out about Isabella's work. numbers of specimens that had been around at the time of the Challenger expedition. These specimens will not be there now. The oceans are so polluted. I, I think she'd be incredibly sad about it. Isabella not only did great work on crustaceans, but there is another group of animals that she worked on from the Discovery collection. Discovery, again, was another research vessel from 1927 up to the late 50s. She looked at discovery specimens of pitnagonids. Now, pitnagonids are known as sea spiders. And so she's done a lot of great work on that too and describing new species and their characteristics. They have animals that they call thermophiles that can live in extreme environments. A thermophilus shrimp, a shrimp that can live in those kind of environments. Said when it gets cleared, I get busy. Her microscope dissecting tool, scalpel, bespoke design needles to do dissections under the microscope still exists. A lot of them still in my lab. I actually still use and I have a small case that has an eyepiece graticule, clear glass lens with a grid on it and you just pop that into the lens of one of your eyepieces of the microscope and it helps with measuring the dimensions. She's written her name on the top of that case of the eyepiece graticle and it, but inside she's also put eye gordon in pencil. It's amazing to be able to use the exact same equipment and it still has relevance to the work that I do today. She made lovely hand drawn illustrations of some of the creatures she saw. She didn't have a mobile phone with a camera, she could just snap something. She actually sat and drew them. That's the side of a lot of these scientists 
because they're doing illustrations at the microscope of their specimens, but they're also taking that into the realm of art and doing watercolours that are also hidden away sometimes in our special collections in the library or within notebooks and other papers within the smaller libraries that I have access to. In 1963, she was awarded an OBE for her services to science. There's an amazing societal connection between myself, Emperor Hirohito, and Isabella Gordon, because all three of us were actually fellows of the Linnaean Society. The Japanese wanted to award Isabella the Order of the Rising Sun, but the British government wouldn't allow it. Isabella worked at the Natural History Museum for around 38 years. I've been working at the museum for 30 years. She continued to work long past retirement. I'm perhaps the longest serving black female natural historian in the UK museum context. Got a long way to go. As a woman, she achieved so much. A woman from a very humble background. I think that's an inspiration. I think it's important to remember Isabella Gordon for her scientific work. The way she encouraged younger marine biologists. She wrote a lot of papers that have lasted the test of time that I refer to. But what is really special for me is to go through and see her annotations where she's critiqued her own publication again had a rethink. She isn't well enough known, I don't think, in Scotland. Always going to be of value, her work and those specimens that were collected, to remain accessible to future scientists for comparison. So she had a huge influence in her day. This kind of work is to be an advocate for more women in science, to highlight her work, the great work that she's done. Isabella Gordon. Today's music, written and performed by myself with Herbie Clark singing bass, included extracts from A Lament for Invertebrates, written in 2017, in collaboration with marine biologist Dr Karen Dela from Napier University, and The Grand Old Lady of Carcinology, written and recorded on May the 15th, 2021, based on the limerick written by Isabella Gordon herself. And of course, we'll finish as usual with my adaptation of Mary Maxwell Campbell's March, Many thanks to our speakers, Catherine Booth and Miranda Lowe, and to you for listening. That's the end of episode 19, Isabella and the Emperor. Do join us for future episodes of Women in Science and Music 30 Celebrations, as our story of women's contribution to culture and heritage continues. (laughs) 